Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Merry Christmas, everyone. Adam Bayfield here from the World Cricket Show. I'm currently sat in my car. Glamorous life of a podcaster here. I'm holed up in a pretty bleak little car park on a very wet and grey and miserable day here in Guernsey. I've just arrived at Kobo Bay down on the west coast and I'm about to step into Kobo Tea Room to meet my business associate, Tony Kerr, to record a podcast. This is becoming something of a Christmas tradition. We're recording this on Wednesday, the 18th of December, but you'll be hearing it on Christmas Day or possibly at a later date uh, if you've got better things to do on Christmas Day. I can't imagine what those might be, but it's certainly being released on Christmas Day, coming straight down the chimney and into your stocking the best present you've received this Christmas, I'm sure. Listeners might remember that we did a very similar thing last year where we went to the tea room and Tony and I selected a post-Atherton World Eleven. Well, this year we're doing a very similar thing except picking a different composite Eleven. We'll explain in a minute all will become clear, although you might be able to work it out given given that we're coming to the end of 2019 and also because I've probably put it in the title of the episode, but from those clues, you might be able to figure out what team it is we're picking. Uh, but I'm really looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to, to meeting Tony, having a chat, and picking this team. I know Tony's excited as well. He's much more excited about this than he is about <laughs> any other aspect, anything else anything else to do with the podcast. And um, When I floated this idea to him, he said, yeah, brilliant. I'm desperate for some Victoria Sponge. And I said, well, you know, we don't have to go to the tea room necessarily i could just come around to yours he said no no no, no. we're going to the tea room so tea room it is uh, now in a shocking turn of events tony is late that's why i'm recording this intro on my own i'm sat here in the car park waiting for him he just texts me to say i'm seven minutes away so i'm going to turn the recorder off now and wait for upwards of 45 minutes for him to actually arrive he probably just uh, uh sent that text and then immediately jumped in the shower is what usually happens but to be honest it's not the worst thing that could happen because it's absolutely tipping it down outside it's a really horrible day here so it's nice to be sat in the drive for a second i can i can see the sea from where i'm sitting and it's it's rough it's wild out there. there's white horses racing across the surface so i'm just going to sit here and watch those for a bit wait for tony to arrive uh, and then dash across the car park into the tea room. I'll have tea, please. Hot for Yeah. Yeah, hot for two, I think. Yeah. Sounds good. Let's look at your cake situation. And then could I have a slice of uh, Victoria sandwich, please? Yeah. Could I have a scone with jam and cream, please? Yes, 
Could I also get a slice of chocolate dream cake to take away? Yeah. It's for Elena. Yeah, sure. I'm glad I remembered because she would actually have <laughs> murdered me if I'd forgotten. Um, I've got a loyalty card, actually. So I, I, can, uh, I can get these. You can just pay me back double yeah. next time. Yeah, that's good. Uh, yeah, I'm yeah, getting these because yeah. uh, Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't given you enough over the years. So, no. um, yeah. <laughs> oh, actually, I have got uh, one of these as well. Okay. Do you want uh, No, that's all right. Okay. Thank you very much. Don't worry. Don't mention about. Yeah, if you, yeah. yeah. So we're just going to record a quick podcast in the court. Yeah. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, it's nice and quiet today, so. not pouring me a cup oh, just yeah, put, sorry. Just put yourself a cup <laughs> put it down <laughs> thank you, go, thank you. you Merry Christmas um, I recorded an intro in the car while I was waiting for you just bantering you off good effort <laughs> so we can just go straight in just cut straight to the cut to the chase so I'm sure you were very uh, very generous very positive yeah, yeah very glowing <laughs> yeah and no, I just said nice things about you as it's Christmas there you go, mate. It's a spoon. Thank you very much. Don't know how you like to stir it, so I'll let you do that yourself. People have stirring preferences when it comes to tea. Oh, I spilled it. <laughs> oh, come on. Bad start. Well, Merry Christmas, Tone. Thanks, mate. Here we are again. Yeah, it's good to be back. <laughs> yeah. It's very good to be back in the tea room. I'm pretty sure this is the only reason why you agree to do this Christmas bonus episode. It's a real perk, and you paid for it as well, so... That's true. Yeah, I think we should just uh, you know, make this a, a weekly booking. I just put it on the company account, uh, which ultimately I pay for. <laughs> <laughs> it all comes out of my account in the end. Yeah, um, I mean, here we are at Kobo in Guernsey. In fact, we, I, I was trying to remember, was it the World Cup preview we recorded on the beach? We did, yeah, back in May. Just to our right, uh, as we looked through the window on a... Well, considerably greyer, wetter, windier, more miserable day Colder. than it was. Yeah, when we uh, did that, we're sat. The tea room's actually more or less empty. We're in certainly in the room we're in. There's no one else here. We are, we asked the uh, lady at the counter if it was all right if we recorded a podcast. She was remarkably like nonchalant about it. You were like, "Is it okay if we just record a podcast in there?" She was like, "Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no problem." As though people are asking to do that. Maybe they are. Everyone's gone. Everyone, yeah, everyone does have a podcast now. When we first started doing this Boring. in 2008, no one knew what it was or cared. Uh, and now they still don't care about us doing it. But well, earlier than 2008, if we're yeah, true. splitting hairs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you yeah, if you check the Wikipedia, the original run. Uh, so what are we doing here, Tone? Well, I'm I gather you recorded an intro in the car, so hopefully you will have uh, explained what that is all about. Well, I explained what we would. I explained the fact that we were coming to select a team, but I haven't revealed what team it is. Although I'm probably going to put it in the title of the episode, so <laughs> people may have worked it out. You well, explain it, and I'm going to butter my scone. Yeah, this is where you might stitch me up then, because I was told we were going to be producing a team of the decade, a team of the tens. The te- first question: the tens. Is that what we're calling I don't it? Know. It's got to be, isn't it? The teens? Tens, I think. The tens is crap, though, mate. Anyway, anyway, the, of the last 10 years, uh, at which point 
when we discussed it, I was like, oh, so we're doing Tess and White Ball. Well, I've mainly focused on Tess in my, my preparations and my, my thoughts. Yeah, you said you haven't produced a White Ball team, even though you're the one who suggested we do a White Ball team as well. <laughs> I so. feel like I'm just sort of channeling the less organised, you know, IPL franchises or, you know, White Ball franchises, you know, who just pick their players you know, on a whim when they come up in the draft, which is what I'll be doing in the next however long this takes us okay um, so so we're mainly going to focus on picking a test team of the decade hopefully yeah so and we're going to do this same as we did on our episode last year sky sports style we're going to pick one team between us is that right yeah so we, we've so each picked our own team and we're going to try and where there are disagreements we're going to try and convince each other and end up with one team yeah basically i'll name the player i've picked for each position then you'll have picked the same one or if you haven't we'll go with mine that's going to be yeah, exactly. expected to play out <laughs> All right, so let's crack into it then. I mean, everyone's doing this, Tone, aren't they? Pretty much everyone is picking their team of the decade. All cricket websites, blogs, podcasts. Yeah. I've deliberately tried to avoid reading them so as not to be influenced. Uh, but we probably have come up with more or less the same team as everyone else. So it be interesting to see where the differences are. Um, we did set some parameters, uh, which is that, you know, it's, it's a team of the decade. So, so more or less anyone who played Test Cricket in this decade is eligible, but we've decided that they have to have played at least three years of the decade. So, for example, you couldn't have Raul Dravid. He retired in, what, 2011, 2012. Um, I took that slightly further. Okay. And I've, I've gone with my own personal criteria were uh, five or more years. Okay. It's okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so when I set that criteria, yeah. you said... <laughs> I just ignored it. You yeah. said, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's perfect. Well, no, I mean, maybe not quite. But I mean, I just, I just, I kind of discounted players who'd, who'd maybe tailed in from the the mm. O's. Well, yeah, exactly, and I think that that in in a way that kind of uh, that criteria sets itself because yeah. you just you, if they did only play a couple of years of the decade, you're not going to be picking them in your team of the decade, sort of by definition. But I suppose it's to avoid picking players like Sachin Tendulkar, although he actually did play more than three years in the decade. But what what we're talking about is saying. You know, it's on performances this decade. It's not just you don't pick Tendulkar because he was so good in the nineties. You know, as as someone, well, he did play in this decade, but it's it's performances in the tens, if that's what we're calling it. Okay, well, let's let's start tone controversially with the openers. Who have you got as your one and two? Mm, hang on, mouthful of Vicky sponge. Just my sponge. This the only thing with with picking teams like this, isn't it? Is that it's hard not to go for the, the big names, the players that have had a really big impact across the whole decade. I mean, that is, the... I mean, that is very much the essence of it. But there, I think there will be some debates further down. I mean, there might be a debate over here, but do you want both of them? Mm-hmm. I've gone, brace yourselves, Alistair Cook, David Warner. Interesting. Um, I've got Alistair Cook and David Warner. <laughs> In a way, they pick themselves. Yeah. I was trying to think because I've because I've apparently got too much time on my hands, even though I now have a baby to look after. Um, I've also picked a second eleven as well as an ODI team. But yeah, my second my second eleven. It was there's lots of options in all the other positions, but the openers not many really. Cook and Warner are pretty obvious choices. Mm-hmm. So Alistair Cook most runs in the decade of any batsman by far. Actually, he's called eight thousand eight hundred eighteen runs in the tens, which is 1,500 more than anyone else. And then David Warner. 
You know, you could argue he's maybe slightly underrated in England, Warner, for lots of reasons, not least because, you know, he's not very popular and sandpaper and various other things. But he scored 7,000 runs this decade, 23 centuries, and that is despite missing over a year because of the sandpaper scandal. And then he squeaked in with the highest score of the decade as well, his 335 not out against Pakistan at Adelaide just the other day, which, you know, he obviously had a bad ashes, but, you know, clearly back on track now. So they're pretty obvious choices. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, with Kirk, as you, as you say, you know, obviously the numbers uh, are unparalleled. You know, playing for England, he's, he's, you know, he's obviously played more matches. But, yeah, certainly the start of the decade when England, you know, when England were a genuinely brilliant team, yeah, he was a big part of that and, and, and had a really big influence. It wasn't just that he's accumulated a lot of runs from playing a lot of test matches, is it? Ashes 2010-11, India 2012 and for Warner, as you say, I think, yeah, to have registered the highest score of the decade, I think that is significant. And, you know, whatever the match situation, yeah, he probably could have gone on to break the all-time record of that innings. And, yeah, fifth top run scorer, mm. you know, the way he scores his runs as well. Yeah, I think there's, a, you know, if we're building a team, are we building a team or are we just... Well, what's the balance of your team? That's, that, that's a question I should have asked already, I suppose. Uh, what's your team look question. like? Because I've gone the the orthodox route of five batsmen and all rounder, a wicketkeeper, three seamers, and a spinner. Yeah, I think I've done the same. Yeah, yeah, we're so, we're boring. so predictable. <laughs> um, but all, yeah, all correct. Uh, yeah, I think you know if you're looking at you know what an opening partnership Cook and Warner could have been mm. or would be at their peak, mm, like uh, fire and ice. Mm. <laughs> this makes me think. Sorry, just thinking about the spinal tap line. Being in the middle like lukewarm water. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's the Keaton Jennings role. Okay, so should we do middle order next? So you've got mm. an all rounder at six, have you? Mm, yeah. So three, four, five. So I've got uh, Kane Williamson at three, Steve Smith at four, Verat Kohli at five. What have you got? I've gone. I've put Steve Smith in at three. Okay. Uh, Verat Kohli at four. Even though you hate him, it's interesting. I don't hate him. <laughs> and then uh, De Villiers at five. I knew you were going to do that because you love De Villiers. Uh, well, I mean, he's a, a, a unique player. A good cricket he? player. He's not bad. He has got some pretty astonishing numbers. And in some ways, he is bizarrely underrated, arguably, in that, you know, people do talk about the, the great batsmen of this era, you know, the big four of this era being Williamson, Smith, Coley, and Root, Root perhaps dropping back a little bit from there now. But De Villiers doesn't often get mentioned in the same breath as that. Is it because he started his career quite a long time before then? He's obviously no longer playing international cricket now. But he obviously, you know, there was a big overlap. He's certainly, if we're, if we're looking at this decade, he has been uh, fairly dominant in all formats. So I think it yeah. was definitely a very tough decision to leave him out. I just, I liked, you made I, it. Thought, <laughs> I thought Smith and Coley four or five inked in so I, w- I wanted Williamson as, as three I just think he's the, the absolute perfect number three with that you know flawless technique well that's why find a place yeah, for that's why I bumped up Smith to three he's played at three quite a lot hasn't he to be fair so it'd be alright there uh, yeah I mean as for De Villiers you're right he probably is because of his white ball reputation he, yeah it, it probably overshadows what he's done in test cricket a bit and I, and I wanted you know we'll come back to the bowlers as well you know South Africa the, the, the South Africa side that reached the top of the standings is, is one of the best sides of the decade as well. So 
I think we needed to get representation in the batting department for them. That's actually a good point, yeah. You know, there are, yeah, I guess Amla... should have said actually. I <laughs> <laughs> just don't expect it from you. But yeah, no, I wanted to get a, a South African batsman in there. And I think, yeah, De Villiers, argu- now arguably player of the decade. But I think... Uh, I well, think, in all well, Not that you've asked me to, to give you one, but I'm going to give you one. In test cricket, I think, you know, Steve Smith for me is my man of the decade. Yeah. Hard to look beyond his numbers, really. Yeah, it? it's nuts, isn't it? Um, he made his debut in 2010 as well, so he really has kind of yeah. spanned the decade. Absolutely, yeah. Made his debut at Lords, didn't he? In, in, <laughs> like Ricky Gervais when he's looking up Dostoevsky facts. He's like, <laughs> he actually made his debut uh, on July the 10th. <laughs> no, it wasn't it's July 10th. Uh, but yeah, of course, it, like back then, he was like, <laughs> yeah, batting. Yeah. You brought a piece of paper with some notes scribbled on it, which is the most preparation I've ever seen you do for the podcast. And you, you can't wait to show off your research. I know. Uh, but yeah, obviously, when, you know, when he came into the side, he was batting at eight or nine. Um, so, yeah, as a journey, and then as just the pure stats, the average, the, but just the kind of the, the myth he's created about himself as well through, like, just sheer force of nature at the, at the crease. Uh, Fyodor Mikhailovich <laughs> Dostoevsky, born 1821, died 1881. So, um, okay, do you know what? I'm going to let you have De Villiers, Tone. So, so we'll go with three, four, five. Can you write this I down? I did write you've, Williamson down as well in my considerations. Honourable mentions. Uh, well, you, you've got a piece of paper and a pen, so do you want to write down the team as we go? Yeah. So we've, got, we've had one disagreement so far. So let's go Cook, Warner, Smith, Coley, De Villiers. I've just let you bulldoze me there. We haven't mentioned Coley. Well, I mean, we li- we literally have mentioned him, but well, we've mentioned him in the sense that we've picked him. Yeah, he can't not really be there, can he? Averaged fifty-five across this decade with twenty-seven centuries. We'll co- we'll come in- onto it in my ODI team as well. But he scored forty-two ODI centuries in this decade, eleven thousand runs in ODI cricket, which is almost four thousand more than anyone else. I mean, it's pretty astonishing, isn't it? You say Smith in Test cricket, man of the decade, Smith. You've said maybe De Villiers, man of the decade. Man of the decade for all formats, but Coley would have a strong case as well. Okay, so who have you got as your all rounder at six? Stokes. Interesting. Which is, yeah, that's probably a, a slight, recency bias. Well, yeah, slightly and a slight emotional. I suppose recency bias is probably not a thing in this because the recent things we're talking about occurred in this decade, so yeah. they're, they're eligible. I mean, I've got Shakib as my all rounder. I, did, I mean, it was very close call with Stokes. But Shakib averaged 42 with the bat and 31 with the ball across the decade, which are pretty impressive numbers, especially in a Bangladesh side that obviously has, you know, improved as the decade's gone on, but has had its difficulties. Yeah, I think that's fair. And, You're not you impressed know, with no, that? No, no, I, I think that's a uh, yeah, good shout. Um, yeah, I mean... Stokes probably delivered more extraordinary moments yeah I mean there's probably there are probably stats to disprove this or there might not even be stats to exist to exist there might not be stats in existence to work it out but in some ways Stokes has kind of proved himself to be you know the ultimate kind of x-factor player isn't he in terms of like in in this decade anyway in terms of single-handedly winning matches yeah well single-handedly just turning the the you know, the momentum or, or just having an impact on matches. Those jaw-dropping moments, he's produced plenty of them in Test cricket over the decade, that 258 in South Africa, even yeah. something like the catch off Stuart Broad in the 2015 Ashes. Yeah. I, 
I do feel like you're railroading me here, Tone, but I'm going to give you that as well. Let's have, <laughs> let's have Stokes in at six. Come on, mate, get him in there. Wicketkeeper, I'll tell you who I have. BJ Watling. I've gone for a lad called BJ Watling. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, we, we spoke, well, you spoke about it on the, the last pod, I think, if I didn't zone out. But, yeah, in terms of runs, he's top of the tree for the decade. For wicketkeepers. Yeah. Uh, I mean... And dismissals as well. 232 yeah. dismissals, more than any other keeper. I, it's not all about numbers, but he's just been so solid. I don't, without being harsh... There maybe hasn't been, you know, when you look at the competition, mm. uh, we haven't had a we haven't had a particularly vintage decade for for wicketkeeper batsmen. Well, Matt Pryor wouldn't quite meet your criteria, would he? Your five year criteria that you unilaterally <laughs> set. Um, so he was probably the only one that I considered, but he obviously did. I think he retired. Was it t- well? He played his last test, twenty fourteen. But all the good stuff that he did was kind of twenty thirteen and earlier. So it is a relatively small part of the decade compared to Watling, who's just been consistent across the whole thing. Yeah, I think he deserves the nod, Watling, for for longevity and results as well. You know, you know he's in results terms and stats, you know, he's, he's an important part of that team. And then that double hundred that he scored against England the other day... Helps. I mean, it helps. <laughs> and obviously, that is a, it's possibly a kind of recency thing as well, but it, is, it, it kind of woke people up a bit to BJ Watling. Like he's, he was someone who was... Even though he's been the New Zealand keeper for a very long time, he wasn't necessarily a household name, even for cricket fans. But then they, you know, he goes out and produces innings like that. It's like, oh, no, he is actually... A, suddenly everyone's looking at his stats and going, oh, yeah, he is actually really good. Yeah, like, geez. Okay. So did you say you got the same as me? Three seamers and a spinner? Yeah. Should we do spinner first? Who's your spinner? I think there's a few options, aren't there? I'm just going to sort out the second half of my scone. Um, yeah, a few options... Well, could be a good debate, but it's you know there's there's the strong case of all of them. I've gone for Rangana Herath, partly because I wanted to get a Sri Lankan in there, partly on weight of stats. You know, he was he was as good as there's been in this decade as a spinner, and I think just for just like his personality, his kind of just his uh, the legend know, his, factor. Yeah, exactly. The, just the way you know he's just just for him as well. I think uh, you know he's a different sort of cricketer. And he's and he produced some unbelievable performances, of course, across a decade. So, yeah, he gets my vote. Of course, he's uh, uh, one of not very many cricketers who have actually played across three decades. So he made his debut back in 1999. But yes, just so consistent. And after the retirement of Murley in 2008, just really kind of stepped up and, you know, and was just so good for Sri Lanka for, you know, all through these 10 years. I think I mean the other the other options potentially well Ravi Ashwin, mm. uh, well, which is possibly you know when you look at how much of the decade or certainly the latter half of the decade you know how much India have kind of dominated. Yeah, I think he'd be a good shout to see Nathan Lyon. Yeah, Lyon's well. who I've got. I picked Lyon. Three hundred and seventy wickets. You know, he's kind of perennially underrated until he wasn't anymore. It's possibly slightly. Uh, uh, skewed by our English perspective because he does have a very good record against England and has been such a kind of thorn in England's side. I mean, he's been very good against everybody, but you know, but particularly against England. Obviously, Australia played a lot of Test matches against England in this decade, so we've seen a lot of him, seen a lot more of him as England fans than perhaps we have of of Herath. I mean, I was I was very close. 
<laughs> I was very, Should I just write down Hera? <laughs> I was very close to picking Hera, so let's let's go with he's written H. Yeah. Okay. Let's go with Hera. He's in. So hang on. You this haven't given me anybody. Three yet. nil now. <laughs> this is an absolute whitewash. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Okay, so uh, fast bowlers then. I need to go first here. Yeah. So my three... Obviously, we've not done this in batting order when it's come to the bowlers. But my three fast bowlers would be Anderson, Stain, and Mitchell Johnson. Anderson took 427 wickets, an average of 24 in this decade. Um, Stain took 267 wickets at 22. So, that, that, you know, obviously Anderson took a lot more, partly because England play more than South Africa, also because Stain struggled with injuries for the last few years of the decade. But... Um, don't let that cloud his earlier achievements. I mean, he was just comfortably the best fast bowler in the world, best fast bowler of this era for, you know, the majority of his career and uh, for the majority of this decade. And with Anderson, they are just um, easily the two best fast bowlers of the era. And it's the longevity of their careers as much as anything else. So I've made this point many, many times on the podcast, but Jimmy Anderson made his debut in 2003. That's before Andrew Strauss. It's three years before Alistair Cook. And he's still going, just about. Uh, Dale Stain obviously made his debut in, t- in uh, 2004 as well. So that um, for kind of fast bowlers at the top of their game, they have had very long careers. And it, that, as much as anything else, is what's so impressive about them. So I'd be surprised if you've gone for anyone other than those two. And then Mitchell Johnson, perhaps we can talk about. I've got off the pod. Who, have you, <laughs> yeah. who have you got, Tim? Um, well, I'm going to pour you a cup of tea because I'm a generous I, friend. Yeah, I think... I yeah. Inked, yeah, definitely inked in Anderson and Stain. Although I, I do think there's an argument. There's a, there is an argument, in a way, to say if you are building, I don't know if you're building it, but there's an argument to include Philander, Stain, and Rabada. Wow. All averaging in the 22s. Has Rabada Rab- played five years? I don't know if he's played five years. He's played. I'd say he's played enough to warrant a discussion. Right, so but I, hang on. So I, <laughs> I say criteria of three years. You ignored that. You unilaterally decided to change that to five years and then <laughs> ignored your own criteria to include someone who hadn't played five years. Yeah, okay. Well, probably, yeah. Well, let's scratch them off. But anyway, but when you actually look at, you know, when you consider that they're all, they've all got averages in and around the best in the world and they all their strike rate is also considerably better than pretty much everyone else, uh, including all the big names that you would, you'd care to mention. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's a, 
That's a, well, I don't know. I was going to say that's a really good shout from me. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll dial back from that. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I wouldn't disagree with Anderson. So I'm going to go Anderson Stain, and I'll give you Mitchell Johnson just so you, you know, there's a little Christmas present at the end there. Well, who did you have, Anderson Stain? Well, and... I didn't. I was going to. I was going to choose one of Philander or Abada mm. at the end. Well, I mean, it would probably be Philander. Philander, I came very close to picking as well. So if I hadn't already rolled over three times, I might yield to that. But so Mitchell Johnson retired in 2015. So he has only played. He did only play half the decade, and actually, he wasn't always in. You know, the first couple of years of the decade, he wasn't. You know, he didn't figure very much. So really, it is only a couple of years of the decade where he was so good. So this is possibly a, a bad pick in that sense. But but then he had his best years, didn't he? He had his best years this decade. So 2013 and 2014. In those two years, he took 81 wickets in 15 matches at an average of 20. So that obviously includes that phenomenal Ashes against England in 2013 and, and um, the Australian Tour of South Africa a few months later. And that, for me, is the kind of high point of this decade in terms of bowling. In some respects, the high point of Test cricket, I think it's arguably the, the best individual performance of this decade was that kind of by any cricketer was that kind of sustained patch that Johnson had where he was just unplayable you know hitting players like Amler and de Villiers on the helmet and you know they didn't know what to do and of course the England batsmen didn't know what to do either and it was ferocious fast bowling kind of lifted out of an earlier era out of the kind of West Indies uh, from from the sort of West Indies greats of the 1980s it was it was thrilling to watch and so I felt like I couldn't not include him because he's just... That, for me, was the, the kind of highlight of the decade in some respects. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, properly fearsome. Mm. And, yeah, as you say, I think the fact that he had his best... Sorry, it's one of those things that at the time I wasn't saying that. <laughs> as <laughs> yeah. an England fan. You were crying a lot. I the wasn't time. enjoying I it quite so much. But, um, but looking back... Yeah, and the, sorry, the, fact, the, fact he, yeah, the fact he had his best years in the decade... Yeah, I think he. I think he ticks all the boxes for me. Mm. So you're happy with Johnson then? Yeah. So I'm just um, going to tot up. I'll re- hang on. Are you tossing up my picks versus your picks? Because I, <laughs> I can tell you now, he's won that. No, I'm just uh, totting up the countries that have come from. Honestly, I paid for the tea, <laughs> and then I've given you all these picks. Merry Christmas. Do you want me to run you through it just for a recap? Yeah, Christmas do. recap. A Christmas uh, recap. So, so we've gone for Kirk Warner as our openers, Smith, Coley, De Villiers, Stokes, BJ Watkins, Harath. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I would say. It's literally just talking about how BJ Watling isn't really a, <laughs> isn't really a household name. Oh. I was too busy. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I've written Watkins. Yeah. I think I think I did write Watling, but I've read it back as Watkins. You can check you can check the uh, check the evidence. You did write what you did like write Watling. It just looked like Watkins <laughs> to me. You're like, no, I've always said he's a <laughs> he's a brilliant player. I've always been a big fan of Watkins. Oh, what else have I got wrong here? <laughs> uh, anyway, Harath, Johnson Stain, Anderson. Okay. Stein, I think is our. It's going to take the new ball as well. So, what, so hang on. So from the top, Cook Warner, Cook Warner, Smith, Coley, Davidius, Stokes, Watkins, Herath, Johnson, Stein, Anderson. 
Sounds like a pretty good team to me. It sounds all right, doesn't it? So that's, if you've lost count, three English players, three Australians, two South Africans, and then one each from India, Sri Lanka, and New Zealand. I mean, arguably, on the basis of their team's performance, yeah, there should probably be room for one or two more Indians in there. But it, but it was difficult. Uh, yeah. It, it was almost... It's perhaps less kind of individuals who have stood out, like, other than Kohli. Ashwin, as Pajara. you say, potentially. Pajaro is a good shout. But how, he's not going to unseat Smith or De Villiers or Williamson, though. As with all these things, you know, when we talked about my uh, beloved composite 11s that I might pick before a series. It, it, a lot depends on position. And, you know, so, like, you could replace, say, De Villiers with Pajaro and it wouldn't weaken that team we've picked that much. Whereas in other positions, like the openers, there's not as many yeah. candidates. So it might be that there are kind of India players who've been so important, but they're just not quite as good as other players in their position. But, you know, overall, it adds up to a better team, if you see what I mean. Yeah, and some of the names we've left out, Root, Amla. Well, I've, probably, I've got a second 11 tone. Okay, yeah, go for I it. Can read I forgot you. about that. So I've, I've obviously, there's a couple of names in here that we've promoted to our first 11. So uh, I had, so the opener is really tough. I went for Azza Ali, who opened for a bit but you know his kind of the performances you've been picking him on wouldn't be as an opener but that, anyway he's been, he's been a very impressive batsman this decade well I was going to say, just interrupt I was going to say you know uh, Pakistan obviously briefly got to mm. the top of the rankings didn't they in the decade uh, it would have been nice to squeeze in a Pakistan player in there particularly given you know the history or that the, it's been a difficult decade for, for mm. cricket in the country doing what they've done doing what they did to get to the top of the rankings was was seriously impressive I don't know I'll see who else you've, you've got in your, well, your second that's the only Pakistan player I've got in the second level but Yasir Shah and Saeed Ajman I suppose would both be candidates for the spinners slot but neither quite spanned the decade uh, yeah. for me like Lyon or Herath who played kind of virtually through the decade just had a stronger argument in that sense but Ajmal and Yasir would both probably uh, both probably hit a higher level for a brief period of time than, than either of those. Well, anyway, so I've got Azar Ali. I've gone for Graham Smith to open with him. His best years probably weren't in this decade, but he did play up until 2014 and, you know, was uh, in, the, in the very early part of this decade was captain of the South Africa team that went to number one in the world, obviously won in England in 2012. So then I've got Amler at three, Root at four. I had De Villiers at five. We'll slot Williamson into that middle order. I had Stokes at six, so we'll put Shakib there. Matt Pryor as the wicketkeeper. Uh, I had Herath as the spinner, so I'll put Lye in there. And then my three seam bowlers were Philander, Bolt and Broad. Are there any other uh, honourable mentions that I've missed out? Uh, I don't know. I didn't write too many more down because it kind of, it was, it was almost sewn up for me. I mean, I guess, you know, to return to Rabada mm, yeah, yeah. Could, be, could be a consideration. Watkins. Watkins, yeah. I mean, he could do anything. <laughs> Um, All right. Well, I think yeah. I think I think, I think that's fair, though. I yeah, think that's. I, a, I think I'm pretty pleased with that. I team. think I think we're both pretty pleased with ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> we are both very pleased with ourselves, and that's a good team. Well, I have got an ODI team, but before I move on to that, do you know what I did earlier today, Tone? I uh, went back and listened to the team of the decade that we picked slash I picked Crikey. in 2009. What's re- when I picture us speaking in 2009, I just assume we're like kids. We're like, <laughs> we basically oh, were. Team of the decade. We genuinely do sound uh, young and idiotic. Full and of energy, full of the joys of life. Yeah. <laughs> young and stupid. Um, so yeah, believe it or not, we were doing this podcast 
in the in the last decade. I don't want to believe it. And um, but I don't actually have those episodes. I don't. I only have episodes on my computer going back to about 2012. So I had to reach out to one of our super fans who <laughs> who has all the episodes. Uh, to ask if uh, if they could dig out the episode where we we picked our our team of the noughties. Do you want to hear what it was? It seems so long ago. I'm expecting this team to be like Hutton, Brad, <laughs> <laughs> just like not far off. Although the first name is Graham Smith, who was who was in my second eleven for this decade. But yeah, so I had Smith and Savag as openers, then Ponting, Lara, Callis, and Jaya Wardner. Uh, no place for Sachin Tendulkar in that team. It's interesting, isn't it? I mean, it's, I'm not I, making any friends in India. <laughs> no, yeah. but you know, he he didn't quite squeeze in that. I suppose the '90s, you you know, you would definitely pick Tendulkar. But yeah, I, I went for Ponting, Lara, and Jai Wardner, and Callis ahead of him. Uh, then Gilchrist as the wicketkeeper, and then this is a strange bowling attack. I don't know how I quite ended up with this, but I had uh, two fast bowlers, McGrath and Flintoff, and then two spinners, Warren and Murray. So uh, interesting. Which team would that be? Quite a good game between those two teams. I mean, it wouldn't be bad, would it? Who would you? Who would your money be on? <laughs> Just read, read read it through again. <laughs> the benefit of the listeners. Smith, Savag, Ponting, Lara, Callis, Jai Wardner, Gilchrist, Flintoff, McGrath, Warren, Murley. Well, hang on. If we were really you know cutting loose, going mad here, we'd do a composite eleven from those two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the tea room's closing <laughs> in about an hour so we're not going to have time I would have that. thought you might have done it already but there <laughs> we go uh, well we could probably very quickly do it so I'd probably go well we basically did this with our we essentially picked this <laughs> last year with our post-Atherton team but yeah, I'd true. go Cook and Savag from that stop me if you object to any of this yeah then I'd go mm, I'd probably go Smith Coley Lara Callis at six so leaving out Ponting uh, and De Villiers and Jai Wardner. Then I'd have Gilchrist ahead of Watkins. Bowling attack, well, Warren would definitely be a spinner. If we're just going to say one spinner, I'd pick Warren there. And then three fast bowlers from Johnson, Stain, Anderson, Flintoff and McGrath. I'd probably go McGrath, Stain and Anderson. So you would have then... one. Apologies if this is really boring to listen to, <laughs> yeah. picking a team on the fly. But um, on. That means then you'd have six players from the noughts. Noughties. Noughties, yeah. And uh, five then, obviously, from the tens. Fascinating. Isn't it just... What a fascinating What an exercise guy. this has been. Yeah. Well, if the listeners aren't thoroughly fed up <laughs> with this, there's one more team to run through, which is a ODI team of the decade that I picked. So... You basically said I did you, half the homework. You basically forced me to do this, <laughs> um, and then didn't do one yourself. So we'll we'll go through this really quickly. So open as I went for Jason Roy and Rohit Sharma. Very close call for David Warner there, but I didn't want to leave out Roy because I thought, you know, we both said he was probably man of the tournament for the World Cup that England won, uh, and yeah, Rohit twenty seven centuries in this decade and the, that high score of two hundred and sixty four as well. So then uh, batsman I had Coley, who, as I mentioned, 42 centuries, 11,000 runs. De Villiers, who averaged 64 in this decade and was in the ICC ODI team of the year, seven out of nine years. Uh, then I had Sangakara at five, who is the sixth highest run scorer for the entire decade in ODIs, despite retiring in March 2015. Uh, then Butler as my wicketkeeper. Then I had Shakib as my all-rounder. Uh, and then I actually picked four fast bowlers. So I thought Shakib could be my spinner. So my four quicks are Stark, Malinga, Bolt, and Bumrah. 
Sound all right? Sounds good to me. So with that, you had three from India, two from England, two from Sri Lanka, one from South Africa, one from Bangladesh, one from Australia, and one from New Zealand. So a bit of a spread there. One final point, not a West Indian in sight in any of these teams. Yeah. Apart from Brian Lara in the previous decade, but in, in the teams we've picked this decade, no West Indians in any of them. I mean, that speaks to obviously a few things, doesn't it? You know, the, the, uh, of how challenging it's been for West mm. Indies as a national side. You know, arguably though, if you, if you looked at the most influential players of the decade in cricket mm. or best, I mean, you'd have to have Gale in there. Certainly if you were going to pick a T20 team of the decade, you might have quite a few West Indies. Yeah. Um, if only we could have done that time. We were, ha- <laughs> yeah. we were hamstrung by the uh, <laughs> production team here. But, um, but anyway, yeah. Well, that's about it, I think. You happy with those teams we picked? Satisfied, yeah. We'll do it all again in, in 10 years. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> that's quite a scary thought. Yeah. When we'll have been doing this for over 20 years. Or if we hell. reach that far, we, you're talking like lifetime achievement, aren't you? Sort yeah. of BAFTAs, <laughs> that kind of stuff. Not long after that, I'll be ready to hand over to my son. <laughs> so you just need to get a son of your own and then, and then, uh, then you can retire as well. Uh, all right, well, Merry Christmas, Tone. And to you. Have a good one. Hope listeners have enjoyed this. If you are listening on Christmas Day, hope you've had a great day. Enjoyed the nut roast. And uh, yeah, we'll be back in 2020. Mind-bending. But yeah, have a Merry Christmas, one and all. Is there any tea left? <laughs> you held up your cup. I'm going to pour mine first. Yeah, pour it. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.